0: find in your Bibles, the Old Testament book of Psalms. If you're not quite sure where it is, if you open your Bible to the halfway mark, you'll probably be in the Psalms. And today we'll be in Psalm chapter 20. Psalm chapter 20. We'll look at the entire Psalm, verses 1 through 9. On this Memorial Day weekend, I want to talk with you about this subject, a moment to remember. A moment to remember. Psalm chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Memorial Day doesn't seem to mean what it once did. At least in our society today, we view Memorial Day as a three-day weekend. We get a Monday off. We view it as a time to open the pool, to go to the lake. We view it as a time to grill out, to have some barbecue, to hang out with friends. That's not, that's not bad. That's not bad. School's out, so there's that, and people are really excited about not having to go to school. At least kids are excited about not having to go to school, and parents are wondering what they're going to do with their kids all summer. It does kind of provide a real chance for picnics and hanging out and gathering together. But did you you know Memorial Day grew out of the, the human need to remember where we've been? Not just a need to have an extra day off during the year, but to remember where we've been. If if we remember where we've been, then we can have a good sense and an understanding of where we're headed. But if we can't remember where we've been, it's quite likely we won't be headed in the right direction. If you'll remember, President Abraham Lincoln on November nineteenth, 1863, had made his way to Pennsylvania to that battlefield. He feared that he might be the last president of the United States. The nation was, was almost in self-destruct mode and was really teetering on the brink of extinction. The ceremony that afternoon would dedicate this hallowed ground, this sacred site, a place called Gettysburg, where earlier that July, 40,000 soldiers were killed in a three-day battle. Can you even comprehend something like that? Lincoln made his way to the podium, to the stage, and began to speak. And his remarks on that day really provided the seedbed for what is now Memorial Day weekend. And many of you have heard this and know this. He said, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty, And dedicated the proposition that all men are created equal. That's how he began. Less than two minutes later, he finished. The sermon's going to be a little bit longer than that. Less than two minutes later, he finished. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here. But it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work for which they who fought here have thus so far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave their last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. And in those moments and in that speech, to remember those that had fallen, the idea of a Memorial Day began. Memorial Day is unique to our nation. A time where we set aside to remember those who have fallen, those who have sacrificed to secure our freedom. And the reality is that you and I would not be here today, you would not be in your seats, and I would not be in this pulpit if they had not died to secure our freedom. And so we come today to remember. We take a moment to remember, and this indeed is a significant moment. Psalm chapter 20 is a prayer before the battle. Psalm 21 is the prayer and thanksgiving after the battle. In Psalm 20, the people of God, a psalm of David, they're praying as they enter into war. And Psalm 21, they're rejoicing that God had given them the victory. This psalm is a psalm of prayer and petition. They are asking God, Lord, would you be with us? Would you speak? Would you work on our behalf? And listen to me carefully this morning. This psalm reminds us That our ultimate hope is not in our military might or our political prowess or even in our patriotism. Our ultimate hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone provides the victory and He alone secures our destiny. David says in Psalm chapter 20 beginning in verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May He send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May He remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. May He grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They will collapse and fall, but we rise and stand up. O oh Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Remember this morning the powers in the perfect word of God. Here in this text, we discover some important truths that we should remember this Memorial Day weekend. The first thing I notice in the first few verses is we ought to remember where to turn. Remember where to turn, verses one through three. We'll all face difficulties and challenges in life. We all face uncertainty. Struggles and heartache will come our way. We suffer loss and we suffer pain. It's all part of the human experience that all of us suffer at some point or another. But in reality, I want to remind you of something very important. What makes the difference in our troubles and our sufferings is where we turn. In the, in the midst of uncertainty and difficulty, what makes all the difference is where To turn. In verse 1, the the people pray. They pray that God would answer the king's request. They pray that God would work on behalf of his people. They pray that God would show up in a mighty way and give them the victory. Look at what it says in verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. They are praying for protection and for peace as they enter into battle. They pray that God would answer their request. Notice the Bible here refers to him as the God of Jacob. It's interesting if you do a study on the names of God, you'll discover how those names are used in various contexts throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. One of the things about the name, the God of Jacob, it reminds us that it is an incredibly relational and personal name for God. There are many names used for the Lord. The Lord of hosts speaks of his might his military power and his victory. But this name, the God of Jacob, refers to a very personal and relational God. A God who is near. A God who works on behalf of his people. A God who is close to those who are broken hearted. And a God who gives strength to the weak. He says, may the God of Jacob protect you. May the God who cares about you. May the God who gives you strength. May the God who can deliver you in your trouble." Notice the prayer. If your Bible is like mine, almost every verse, verse 1 through 5, almost every verse begins with one word, may. It's a request. You ever at home or at school and you say, can I go do this? Or can I go do that? And your mom or your dad or your teacher look at you and say, I don't know. Can you? And you're like, Thanks for that. What does the word may mean? It's a request, isn't it? It's a request. And so, here, eight times in the entire passage, seven times in the first five verses, it's a prayer. May the Lord see us. May the Lord deliver us. May the Lord show himself valiantly on our behalf. Over and over again, they are asking God. As the people enter into a moment and a time of confrontation with a foreign enemy, they're saying, God, we trust you. Will you deliver us? And so when you're faced with doubts and struggles, when you're faced with difficulties and heartaches, remember where to turn. Can I tell you something? No matter where you are right now, No matter what you're facing, no matter the burden on your shoulders or the difficulty you're encountering, listen to me, no matter what, you can always turn to the Lord. You say, well, you don't know how far away I've strayed. It's one step back in repentance and faith. You can turn to the Lord. Don't you think that our nation desperately needs to turn to the Lord? Many years ago there was a singer in America She was very popular Her name was Kate Smith She had a radio program Long before the days of television Yes kids, there were days before TV And Netflix And iPads Back when you sat around and listened To the radio Kate Smith had a program She was an incredibly popular singer And one evening on her program She introduced America to a brand new song The words of the song went like this, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. You know the song from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. It was an instant hit, and something about that song electrified the entire nation. It has become one of the most famous and well-loved patriotic songs in our history. But there seems to be something in those lyrics that's an indication that we as Americans desperately need the blessing of God. That at least at one time or another, we recognized that we can't do this on our own, and we need God's might and God's strength and God's power. That we have been blessed by God, and we need to say, God, would you bless America again? If you'll remember after September 11th, 2001... A nation that had constantly been pushing God out of the public square, out of the public school systems, and out of the courthouse, and out of the White House. A nation that had constantly been pushing God away once again said, God bless America, at least for a few weeks or maybe a month or two. Then we went back to our regular daily lives. We know that we must have the blessing of God on our country, on our families, and on our churches. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 12. You need to know this verse. It expresses this sentiment when it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. If you want to be blessed as a nation, make sure the Lord is your God. The problem is we have created so many other gods in so many other fashions that the Lord is no longer God in America if you believe the Lord answers in the day of trouble when it's time to turn somewhere you will turn to him so we need to remember where to turn number two remember how to trust verses six through nine remember how to trust if we're honest it is easy to trust in our own abilities no matter how strong or weak we are Sometimes, automatically, we rely on our own strength or our own intellect or our own ability. If we're not careful, we'll turn to ourselves or our own devices or ideas. At least, it seems to be easy to trust in the things that we can see, right? It's easier to trust in the things we can see. It's it's easier to trust in the things that we can verify. It's easier to trust in the things that, that we can understand. Sometimes it's hard to trust in the Lord, but that's exactly what we must do. If we're going to remember what God wants us to remember, we have to remember how to trust in Him. Look at verse 7 and look at verse 8. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we will stand upright. The nation of Israel, God's people, they're about to go into battle. How many chariots and how many horses does the opposing nation have? There's no telling. In fact, foreign kings, that's how you measured their strength and their ability, right? It was their armaments. How many soldiers? How many horses? How many soldiers on horses? How many soldiers with a horse and a chariot? How much military might did they have? And that almost always determined the battle. But don't you remember that when the Israelites are coming out of Egypt and they walk on dry land right through the Red Sea and then the the Egyptians begin to give chase and then they're consumed by the waters. God delivered. Some trust In horses, some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You remember when Gideon and his army, 300 strong, gather around the encampment, and God says, I don't want you to have a horse, I don't want you to have a chariot, you don't need a spear, listen to what you need. You need a light, you need a trumpet, you need a pitcher. And God gave them the victory. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I think something very interesting. The word trust here, the verb in Hebrew, is a very interesting verb. It's used in other places throughout the Old Testament, and it's translated mention or proclaim. Think about this. Some trust, some mention, some proclaim their chariots and horses, but we trust, we mention, we proclaim the name of the Lord our God. Let me see if I can kind of put it in our vernacular today. Some brag in their own military might and ability and how much good stuff they have, but we we brag on Jesus. Some brag about how great and how mighty they are, but we brag on the Lord. That changes everything. Those who brag on what they have, look at what it says, they collapse and fall, but those who trust in the Lord, they stand upright. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? You say, sometimes I feel like I'm alone. If you're with God, you're always in the majority. You say, wait a second. There are thousands and thousands of people against me. Elijah felt like he was all alone. But have you ever heard that God plus one always equals a majority? Just be on His side. At the end of the age, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, no matter what society says or the culture around us may teach, we need to be found on the Lord's side. We ask God to be on our side, and God probably looks at us and says, why don't you get on my side? Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We trust in the Lord. I think it's interesting The people had prayed in verse 1, May the Lord answer you. And the king says in verse 6, He will answer. Aren't you thankful that God answers us when we call? That He doesn't ignore us? That He pays attention? That every time we reach out and call in the name of the Lord, He answers. America has come a long way From the early days when our leadership was quick to profess our trust in the Lord. You see, you want to to really give a test to a nation. You want to really give a test to a person. You don't give them adversity, you give them prosperity. If you want to really test a person's character or a country's moral fiber, it's not in those moments of adversity, it's in the moments of prosperity. And how do we deal with the prosperity that we've experienced as a nation? Well, what's happened is, instead of trusting in the Lord and depending on Him as in the early days of our nation, we have built armaments unto ourselves and our military might is known across the globe. And at any given time, whether in war or peace, we have 1.5 million troops at the ready. And let me be honest, all of that I am incredibly grateful for. I'm so thankful for each and every person willing to volunteer and serve. I'm so thankful that we know we can defend ourselves and bring peace to our country and to the world. But if that's what we depend on, we are foolish. If that's where our peace rests, we are foolish if we look to all of our military might and all of our generals and all of our political leaders and say, wow, I'm so grateful because now I have peace. Listen to me carefully. If you trust in horses and chariots, you will fall. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We stand upright. Far too often we trust in our Modern-day horses and chariots. David said, I'm not going to trust tonight. that. You know, God had given the kings of Israel instruction not to build up armaments. Solomon completely disobeyed that instruction. Why? Because he wanted them to know, you can trust me, not your stuff. It'd be better for America and the world. Listen, it'd be better for America, the world, and the West in every nation, if instead of great politicians or great scientists or great military chiefs, we just had some spiritual giants leading our country. Could you imagine? Remember where to turn. Remember how to trust. Remember who to thank. On this day, Memorial Day weekend, we remember who to thank. We thank those who've laid down their life in service of their country. We thank those who paid the ultimate price and made the greatest sacrifice. We thank their families for their sacrifice as well. But in verses 4 and 5, Psalm chapter 20, the people of God and King David are thanking the Lord in advance for the victory prior to the victory even being secured. They prayed that God would bless their plans. They prayed that God would bless uh, their military strategy. But prayer and planning must go together. The central verse in this psalm is verse 5. May we shout for joy over your salvation, and in the name of our God set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Remember, Psalm 20 is before the battle. Psalm 21 is after the victory. And so, what they're saying is, we're going to believe and trust not in horses and chariots. We're going to trust in the name of the Lord our God, and He will deliver, He will rescue, He will save. And here they are, worshiping the Lord and thanking Him for the victory even before He gave it. That's faith, that's trust. The theme of salvation, the theme of victory is repeated again in verse 6 the Lord saves. Again in verse 9 save the king. How can a nation plan properly if its leaders, its lawmakers, those in the court system, if they refuse to acknowledge any kind of dependence upon God? How can we lead a nation, a country, a school system, a university? A community. How can we lead that properly if we refuse to recognize our great dependence on the Lord? The people of Israel, their king, may the Lord save. Look at this now. These are some verses put together throughout this chapter, but look at it. May the Lord answer you. May he send you help. May he remember. May he answer us when we call. And the Lord did answer. You no know, the verse says, Now I know the Lord saves. We, sh- we shout for joy over your salvation. We shout for joy over the salvation of the Lord. They're praying, Lord, would you answer? And then they say, He does answer, and we rejoice. Far too often we cry out to God in times of trouble and then forget to praise him in times of victory. Don't we? God, I need you. I'm desperate. But then in good times, moments of prosperity, we forget. There's a famous painting of George Washington at Valley Forge. Most likely, each and every one of you have seen this painting before. The painting is after his defeats at Philadelphia and Germantown. His soldiers had little food, hardly enough clothing. The weather was cruel. Many soldiers didn't even have food. They were living in mud huts. Many were dying because of disease. The Continental Congress could not even supply them food to eat. The picture shows George Washington kneeling in prayer right there by his horse. I remember just a couple of months ago being in Washington, D.C. at the Museum of the Bible, the original painting of George Washington kneeling to pray at Valley Forge right there on the wall. So how did we go from that, the leader of our nation in desperate need, praying to God, to a couple of hundred years later, a few decades ago, saying that we can't even utter this prayer in our schools. Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon you, and we beg your blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Ruled unconstitutional. America has been the recipient of so many blessings from the Lord, our forefathers prayed and God answered. We asked God to bless us, and that's exactly what He did. But instead of praising God for His blessings, we've forgotten Him. And even worse, we ignore Him or reject Him. We've expelled Him from the public square. And we think, now that we've got it figured out, we can make it on our own. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 14, verse 19 and 20. God gives Israel a warning that applies to us as well. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His rules, His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you've eaten and are full, you've built good houses and live in them. When your herds and flocks multiply, all your silver and gold is multiplied. All that you have is multiplied. When everything you have, when you're so prosperous... Then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nation that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. We need a moment to remember. To remember where to turn, to remember how to trust, to remember who to thank. And this is true not just of our country, but it's true of each and every individual, every person here. All of us at one time or another take for granted the goodness, the grace, and the blessings of God. If we're not careful, there'll come a moment in our lives when we get so accustomed to His blessings that we believe we deserve it. Be careful, lest when you've got everything you want, you forget the Lord, your God. Remember where to turn in moments of trouble and distress. Remember how to trust in the Lord instead of yourself. And remember who to thank. He deserves the worship and the praise and the adoration from each and every one of us.